What is Metalhead Journeys? It's exactly how it sounds. It's a journey through the world of metal by a couple of metalheads. Are you thinking of getting into metal? Where do you begin? There's so many different subgenres. What bands are good? What albums are good? We'll provide answers to all of those questions. We'll handle all the research and do all the dirty work by listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly, so you don't have to. Classic albums, new albums, bands no one's ever heard of. Get ready as we'll applaud and criticize with the same passion. This is Metalhead Journeys. I'm Kevin Van Hetchenrick, and you're watching the Deluxe Edition with Casey and Ray. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer, and joining me, as always, Ray, the podcaster. What's going on, Casey? Not too much, my brother. How are you? Oh, I'm having a fantastic day. Do you yes. know why? Why? Because we just did another great interview. <laughs> yes, we did. Chris Candy, son of the legendary John Candy. Uh, but we find out in this interview that he has quite the career himself. Right, Ray? That's right. He rolled right out of that shadow. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah, he did. And I felt like I apologize. I have to apologize to you immediately right out of the gate. I hijacked this interview. <laughs> That's fine, man. You did all the research. You went down the rabbit hole. You, not only did you go down the rabbit hole, you took a shovel with you down the rabbit hole so you could dig down even farther into the earth to, to find some dirt. Yes, I did. Yes, I think Chris was even shocked at uh, <laughs> some of the things that I had found out about his career. Um, yeah. So come and check out this interview. It, it was a really fun, really fun time. Chris, I don't know how he finds the time to do the things that he does. Because he's yeah. done so much stuff. Yeah, he's got a lot on his plate, it's, it seems like. Yeah. So we're going to get right into the interview right after these plugs. We are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. It can be found at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. And the podcast of the month this month for January is... All podcasts, every podcast on the network. Uh, we're starting the year off with just go check out the network. We we have a really good network mm -hmm. here and a lot of great shows uh, on that network, including my co-host, Big Ray. That's right. Of, tell us your <laughs> podcast, Ray. My podcast is the Tencent Beer Night Podcast. It's just like drinking beer in your garage with your friends on a Friday night. 
You can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook if you want to come hang out, make a post, call me a dick, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can listen to my podcast exclusively on Spotify. Exclusively on Spotify. Yep. It's the only reason I have Spotify download downloaded. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, you can find all of our other shows over at deluxeedition.show. All of our previous shows, like uh, last week's episode with the barrel aged flicks from the network. We talked about Elvis and then our previous guest before that, Kevin Van Hentenrick, and uh, all of the other great shows that we've done. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Deluxe Edition Pod. If you'd like to support the show, you can come on over to whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition and buy some t-shirts. We also have network t-shirts over there. Or mm-hmm. you can come over to patreon.com slash deluxe edition pod and uh, support our show over there. And uh, I will immediately send you the recordings as soon as we're finished if you sign up over there at patreon and ray we have a sponsor this year we do get slicks.com mm-hmm. go over and check them out they have cool hats they have uh, different hoodies uh all kinds of stuff there's a hat that's not your get slicks hat yet is it ray no all right, it's on the way. They they are mailing you one. But go over to getslicks.com and use code deluxe edition pod at checkout for 10% off. And uh that's two E's in that one. Deluxe edition pod. The code will be in uh in the description. For our Instagram and Twitter, on the other hand, it's only one E, deluxe edition pod. But at getslicks.com it's Deluxe Edition Pod 2E's, 10% off. Go check them out. It's a great company. Tommy Chong wears this stuff. Anything else, Ray? No, nah, let's get to it. Let's get to it. All right. Here's our chat with Chris Candy. All right. So it's Ray Ray, and uh, Casey, Casey yep. right? Okay, cool. Yep. Got it. All right, man. So we're already rolling. So... Uh, we do things different here. We jump all around people's careers and all that stuff. So how I first uh, discovered you, I was scrolling through Instagram and I must, I must follow the hashtag John candy. Okay. Because I saw a picture that you had posted on your Instagram page of a cutout from camp candy. Yeah. Yeah. In the back of the truck. And I was, I started uh, digging down the rabbit hole of Chris candy and uh, I wasn't even really sure where to start on this uh, show because you have done so much shit. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, but so let's start with uh, let's start with the new thing that you're doing. Candy time. This Instagram right. thing. Right. Um, Tell us about so, that. Hyper local news. <laughs> um, I was uh, basically like looking for a fun new project for the new year and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. I spent a lot of time in 2022 writing and taking some writing classes. And I'd kind of taken a year off of um, doing like projects on camera for specifically like my Instagram page. Right. I do podcasts and all these other things, you know, and you go up for commercial auditions and I've got commercials going and stuff, but I didn't have something that I was doing. And 
I was trying to figure out what it was going to be, something that I could do weekly, maybe more if I needed to. And I've been obsessed with NPR, local news, and like, especially this one interviewer named Huel Hauser. Huel Hauser was this interviewer who was on like public broadcast. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. Um, and so Huel, he's a Southern guy actually, but he had this show called California Gold. And I just love those kind of small person special interest stories. I love on like my local news station, KTLA, like the weird weather report. It, it's just very like familiar feeling for me. and. I was like, that's it. I'm going to do like a weird news show and it's not going to be political. It won't have a slant or an opinion in regards to sides or anything. Cause like, that's just everywhere already. So to kind of bypass all of that, I'm going to just kind of like do news of my life via this show. So in a way it's like my version of a vlog for my brain to understand it. <laughs> But I really enjoyed it, and and people have really been taking to it, and that's the kind of newest project. So I'm going to be doing one a week, and then I just got contracted with uh, this art festival here in Los Angeles to do some promo work for them via Candy Time, and I'm just really happy to get it up on its feet. It, it's been a it's been a really fun thing to do, and I love how like <laughs> kind of like lo-fi it is. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I, I've, you, you've only done two of them so far as uh this recording um right but going back to huel hauser so i've uh sort of become friends with mark singer uh since doing this because of doing this podcast and uh mark introduced me not introduced me because he'll passed away a couple years ago but turned me on to uh huel hauser and uh do you know the story about him like he you're, like you mentioned he was a southern guy tennessee and i think he worked in new york for a while and then came out to california Mm-hmm. And he was just like, he wanted to do that, that show, the California gold. And he just went and like sold it to PBS. He just, wow. he just went and to every PBS station in California and just sold himself, you know? And he was like, and then had, had a hit show. That show is awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't know that story. Um, but I, I, I do know that even last night I was actually um, at a friend's show and we were talking about Huel and he had another show that my friend was talking about called the bench, which I just learned about last night. And it was like, he would go to a famous area in LA and sit on a bench and then very randomly wait for people to come in and have conversation with him. It was very early, like reality TV. And I guess he did it a few times. He did it on like Hollywood Boulevard. He did it down at the Redondo pier. Um, but from what I heard is he didn't like the tone of the show because it could kind of get dark. Um, <laughs> but I, I had the opportunity to meet him once. Um, I was out in Joshua Tree and um, I was having breakfast and I just heard his his voice. It was that famous kind of, you know, well, all right, golly, kind of, <laughs> you know, just, you know, cherubic, awesome Southern voice. And I turned over and it was him and I introduced myself. And, and at the time I just was he was you know there's there are a few people that really um you know impress me in regards to like i gotta say hi right i mean but that person was like i absolutely have to introduce myself so it was very cool he was a neat guy and uh, i'm happy i had that interchange so 
to kind of go to towards candy time it was just like it was it's my kind of homage to that in my own little internet kind of way yeah awesome yeah he'll if, if anyone out there listening or watching hasn't uh seen huel hauser's uh california gold go check it out it's on uh, youtube you can find a, a ton of them on there yeah chapmanuniversity.com it's like a college down here in orange county um they have all of his episodes they have the whole thing so you can just watch them all and i think if anyone is looking to watch an episode they either have to do the baghdad cafe episode which is very funny um or the crazy thing with him is he juxtaposition like he went to like one of his first episodes was going to like a lowrider convention so he was just like it's like this southern white dude interviewing all these like homies and like you know it it was just really really cool you know he just dove right in yeah so yeah god bless that guy he's the best yeah they're one of the one one of the good ones that i remember that i saw was uh, him at coachella where uh he's checking everything and like this i just remember this kid like coming up to him probably like tripping his balls off and he's like huel hauser gave him a high five <laughs> i know he's, he he totally he, he was the absolute best yeah that show is just just perfect so yeah i um yeah so that that that, that, that those are people i've always been into and 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 um Huel's one of them and yeah i don't know i just with with the candy time thing it's like just something fun and easy. And I think that that people have been enjoying that. So yeah, more to come. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So you're going to do it once a week. I think for right now. And then, um, I'll, I'll ramp it up a little bit, maybe do like a Friday after hours episode. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it, it will just see what it, it grows into it, as, as busy or not busy as my life gets. But, um, the fun thing about them is they're not a huge pain in the ass to put together. Like, I can kind of go in and film it and then build it. And I have a great crew of friends that help make the graphics. And so, you know, I, it's kind of drag and drop at the moment and then I can build it out. So yeah, I'm excited this week's episode will be very funny. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Let's talk about uh hill hikers a little bit. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> probably the most recent short that you did, right? Yeah. So hill hikers was uh, directed by this guy, Mitch. And, um, blanking on his last name but um he's like a friend in the la's got a really kind of tight-knit filmmaker community and this was a year ago and i wasn't even he called me like he had an actor bail on him basically and so i he was looking for someone to fill the the part and then he just thought of me uh and he remembered my work from this movie i did called chowchilla which he really liked this director Mitch, he would do these like LA film festival screening festivals. And, <laughs> and I just remember like I read it and I hadn't, you know, I, I, I was more than happy to do it. And it was very funny. And I went, I remember I was going to go to death Valley actually to run a half marathon that, that day. And I told him I can do it. I just need to leave at a certain time. And then I, I read it and I was like, oh, this is like pretty goofy. <laughs> like, so the funny thing with it is it has me kiss this guy in the movie and I had no problem doing it. That was the character, but it was like peak kind of COVID times. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I, you know, I'm not going to say anything. They followed every protocol they needed to follow. Um, and I just remember doing it and then like, 
you know, I, I give this guy a big smooch on the lips. And then at the very end of it, <laughs> I remember going, oh, I hope I didn't just get sick from this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then have to go run a, a half marathon after. It. Yeah, exactly. No, but it, you know, I was happy with it. And, um, but yeah, outside of that project, like I just kind of got brought on to that last minute and, um, I was really, um, happy to be a part of it. And, and, you know, Mitch is one of these guys I've known for some time who's really good friends with a lot of other creative people I work with. And, um, you know, I, I get the sense from someone like Mitch and, um, his, his writing partner, that they're kind of off to doing bigger things. So I'm always happy to kind of work for people who have a cool vision. Yeah. So have you met, like you're in the running community in LA, have you met people like that? Like, was that based on anything that you know of or? The funny thing actually is I can't remember the actor's name who I was like in a relationship with in the movie, but he was from like, Oh God, like, like Egypt or some, he was from Saudi Arabia. He was from somewhere and he's like, Oh yeah, man. Like I'm like a big ultra marathoner. <laughs> and I was like, really? And, and so we were talking about running most of the time. And um, I just remember it, with communities like that. No, but um it, that was fun to talk to him about that in t- regards to weird running communities yeah there are like there are all kinds of i started to the listeners like i'm like as a hobby i love running and, and it's like really a fun community and at the moment the running community is really like popping off like it's it's bigger and more popular thing than it's ever been um and there's all these clubs and 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 uh running groups that have like popped up but there's also like crazy challenges that are out there in the world. So I don't know if there's anything as goofy as hill hikers, but there are some challenges that I've done. And I've also seen that are like crazy. And especially like down South, there are some of the craziest ones. There's this one called the Barkley marathons. That's in like, I think it's in Tennessee. Actually, the Barkley is a 20 mile loop. The creator of this like nightmare run, uh, gives the he handpicks the racers he gives them the coordinates the day before like you don't really know what the loop is going to be so you have to learn how to read a map um you he doesn't tell you when it's going to start and you have to do the loop five times in order to complete it the first time you have to do it one direction the second time another direction and you reverse it so it's constantly disjointing you or uh confusing you and, 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 and messing up your uh, whole thing. And it's one of the most crazy things. There's a really great documentary about it on Netflix called the, I think the Barkley marathons. It is for hmm. me. I, I did one that this guy, David Goggins created, who's this like fitness nut called the four by four. And it was four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So you would like start at 8 AM and then like, what would that be? 12, 12 noon you'd run or eight, nine, 10, 11. Yeah. So you just keep running. I can't, um, (laughs) but I did it for, I did it for two days and that was like the most stupid, funny thing I've ever done in my life. Like (laughs) on day two, I was like, just like, like a shell of a man, like running around the streets of LA, just like, Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) Like on the verge of tears. So yeah. So the running community has like weird things. I mean, there's even more, dude. I mean, I could talk about it forever. I, I, I crewed on this race. I didn't run it, but I crewed on this race that was is literally a relay race from the Santa Monica Pier to Las Vegas. And you, um, like, 
you, I was driving an RV and people just, it, however you want to get to Las Vegas, you can do it. And that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever helped out on. It was so brutal. Like just the amount of running and to see the athleticism of some of these like really good runners it was bonkers. It was like some people had been, you know, had run like 30 miles and then they had to go off and run like a whole marathon. <laughs> you know, it was just like the way it, it, it worked out. So in regards to hill hikers, nothing that goofy, but definitely some crazy, <laughs> stupid challenges just as dumb as hill hikers. So are there like uh, whole pages or communities that just argue and talk about shoes for that type of stuff? Sure. Yeah. I, I think like, yeah, there's, you know, like the, the Internet is totally like created that like yeah. platform. But yeah, like there's um the, the clearest one. And I don't know if they argue as opposed to probably think what's better for you. But there are, you could say there's like a, like a, a modern and a postmodern kind of type of shoe. Like there's like a, or like there's a primal one. Like some people like to run like a flat shoe that has no kind of rock to it. And then some people love a lot of cushion and a lot of rock. And um, some people like to run barefoot. Some people like to run in like sandals. Some people think just like traditional new balances are way to go. It's really, you know, I don't know if it's an argument as much as like, it's just preference, but there are definitely like all different schools of thought on doing that thing for sure. So uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Hill Hikers, it can be found on uh, Vimeo and it's with Anthony Carrigan and Reed Cox. Uh, Anthony Carrigan's from uh, the show Barry, if anyone hasn't uh yeah, that was super. He was a really nice guy. I, I yeah, he was. He, that was a treat to work with him. And I think, um, I think like Clint Eastwood's daughters in the movie too, or something like that. Really? I, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, there was like kind of a fun group of people. There was a lot of actors in LA who were working on it. So yeah, cool. So what did uh, what did your buddy Rick Darge have to do with that? With the uh, hill hikers, with <laughs> same thing, like. Rick and I have been making stuff collectively for years. We did improv together and Rick was cast to do that with, and, and Rick and Mitch are good friends. And that kind of goes back to that, like local LA film community that was also surging a lot during COVID, you know, a lot of people are just up to making stuff. And so, yeah, Rick is just a good friend of mine and, and we, you know, are either doing podcasts together or writing things together. But I just remember they, they actually did hike up like the Griffith park mountain for that shoot. And I remember I left early and he was just like, so bummed. He was like, he's so pissed at me. He's like, oh, so you're going home, huh? Okay. Have fun. Yeah, have a good day. <laughs> but Rick is a sweet guy and he's really funny. He's so fucking funny. So, um, yeah, he, he was, he, he was just, he got cast in that, but you know, to go into him more, he's just someone that we've made a ton of shorts and, and work together on a lot of things. And so, yeah, love working with that guy. Yeah, let's talk about uh, your podcast with him called uh, Bumper to Bumper. Yeah. So right. I, I, it, was this, you, this was started during COVID, right? So right before, actually, like, initial idea was, like, traffic in LA is so bad. So Horrible. Yeah, so I would be, like, going, we should do, and I'd have these really long conversations with Rick on the phone when I'd be sitting in traffic. I'd just call him we would just talk and I was like, this is the podcast. This is what a podcast would be. You know, just us <laughs> fucking talking shit. And so then the very early episodes, we were in a car, he was in his car. I was in my car. And then we developed it further where we would pick someone up and 
they would be in that person's car. And then I, there's a good episode. The last one we ever did in a car was like the day of the pandemic. And we were kind of freaking out, like what's going on. I think it was sometime in March, maybe. And then it turned in. And, and, and so the, the cleverness of that early idea then like melted during the pandemic. And then it just turned into any other type of podcast where it was just kind of two guys talking. And the fun thing with bumper to bumper is it's always kind of morphed and grown and it, it doesn't really have any parameters to it. Similar to this, you know, it's just a bunch of yeah. people talking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he loves to like it, it's it's created these two characters for sure um and like he likes to kind of like gang up on me and i'm always just like ah don't do that you know anyone who's listened like that seems to be the roles we've taken <laughs> but in general rick and i get along very well but it's kind of become like heightened professional wrestling style podcast kind of like <laughs> talking shit and trying to one-up the other person yeah, I, I went, I listened to like the first, or watched the first uh, maybe five or six and then jumped into like the hundredth episode and I was like, oh, they're not even in a car anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think we have like a fun group of people who listen and, and it's like, if you just want to like listen to your buddies talk shit, then that's bumper to bumper. It's like literally that, that's all it is. It's just like, and and like you'll get like, you know, conspiracy theories from Rick and uh, you'll get like my like like ki- nice guy filter of Rick. You know, I don't know. I, I just try and like we try and balance each other out. I think the whole time. I was I was listening to uh, actually during my trip the other day through the redwood forest that I was talking about at the beginning. Uh, I was listening to you guys uh, make some prank phone calls, and it always oh, seems shit. like you you <laughs> don't want to do it. And he's like, Never. "Come on, we gotta we gotta call." <laughs> well, he's like. Rick is a good, he's a troll. Like Rick is a, he's really good at it. Like he was, he was, he was like, he is of the culture of people who are on message boards talking shit, you know? So it's like, he knows how to just like get under someone's skin. And, um, I remember there was like, I had a friend who went on like a really shitty date and dude was super rude to her. And I was just like, I felt so bad for my friend. And I was like, let me get Rick on him. This let was the get, one that Rick I listened ha- to. Yeah, Rick has a burner. And dude, he went so in on that episode. I was like, holy shit. And our friend Aldous, who we do the show with, we were both like, oh, fuck. But, you know, in, in that episode particularly, I was more, I, 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 at the end of the day, didn't want there to be any repercussion for my friend. I just didn't want anything to get, you know, you don't know how crazy people can get. So I was more yeah. kind of nervous about the real world applications of that and uh, Thankfully, nothing happened. But I think for me, I will always kind of think in that regard. And, and Rick will definitely not give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so when he talks about the conspiracy theories, is he does he really believe that shit? Is he? Because <laughs> no. I have a friend like that. I have a friend that I did a podcast with uh, before, and he definitely believes all the shit that he says. <laughs> no, Rick is when I first. This is a great example. Like. Um, Rick, when I first worked with him and like, I've known him forever, but when we were start, first starting to do podcasts, like, or no, excuse me, when we were doing improv together, he was really into chemtrails. He was like freaking <laughs> out over chemtrails. Like I, we would go show up to practice in his office and he would just be looking up at the sky and be like, oh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Huh? Pretty interesting. And she, like he was at it. And so he kind of gets all into some of them and then he drops them, you know? And, and, and Rick is someone who is willing to pivot at the drop of a hat. 
So like if it is false, he'll drop it. But I think a lot of, I mean, the nice way to put this is like, I think sometimes some conspiracy people just have like creative brains and they don't know what the fuck to do with themselves. And so they just like entertain these ideas. And I think that they're just like attracted to the stories of them. But I mean, it's, it's like you've got the Ghostbusters poster, like uh, Dan Aykroyd's not a conspiracy theorist, but he believes in ghosts. Like he like is all in like you, if you, I, he, he will like tell stories and like, you know, I've spent some time with him, but he's not afraid to talk about that stuff. So, you know, I, yeah. I, you kind of just have to go with it. And, 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 uh, I, I, I do think though, like, yeah, Rick, you know, I think someone once asked him like, now, how much of this do you believe to be true? 25%, 50%, 70%, 75% are all in, you know? So yeah, I'm kind of constantly doing that with him. <laughs> Now, is is he one of those kind of guys that uh, will flip flop just to argue with somebody? Like, yeah, like a contrarian, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah, the Earth is flat, and then twenty minutes later, he's arguing with somebody else, saying, "There's no way the Earth is flat." Is, is he one of those guys? Well, he, he's, you know, he he. he first of all, for the record, Rick Darge <laughs> does not think the Earth is flat, but <laughs> um, but um, you know. No, but he will definitely like just if he knows he's fucking with someone, he'll like lean in a little more. Yeah. Well, you never know, you know. How <laughs> yeah. do you know? <laughs> you ever look at an airplane? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, you mentioned improv. So, you, well, before we go into that, is your is bumper to bumper still going on? It's just not on YouTube anymore, right? Yeah, not YouTube, but yeah, we just taped an episode on Friday, and um, yeah, it's still going on. Yeah, it's just uh, we used to be more religious with getting to it, but with these with life, like Rick's getting busier as a commercial director, and, and I've been getting busier with work as well. So it's whenever we can fit it in, but within the new year, we'll be hitting it a bit more. Cool. All right, uh, let's. Uh, so you mentioned improv. So your show, where's this party? Um, that was another YouTube show. Was that yeah. all improv? Yeah, that was all improv. <laughs> That's amazing, and just. Going back into Rick's episode, I like I watched his and when he gets in the car, he's like, All right, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah. He, he, <laughs> yeah. That happened. Um, yes. Um so for the listeners, like, um, where's this party? Was it you know, still exists, but it was this, yeah, improv based comedy show again similar to candy time i was looking for something that when web shows were kind of more relevant and that was kind of the thing to do looking for a thing that was easy to put together and then get good comedy going in through it and you know we were lucky we it, it was an easy show to do because i could tell some of these so the story of it is just to backtrack is it's too low life Hollywood producers who live in like a dumpy apartment in Beverly Hills. And they're the type of people that you go to, you know, a hotel bar in Beverly Hills and uh, they're hanging out there, you know, having a martini waiting for, uh, you know, um, you know, the casting director from, uh, you know, uh, ER to walk in, or they're, they're waiting for, um, you know, Steven Dorf to stop by kind of like people are so in the kind of like, the the scene of Hollywood, but have never had anything to do with it. And so the two characters, they're a couple, uh, Richard and Lou. And uh, Richard is a 
like a, a down and out movie producer. And he wrote this movie called Red Rover, which is about a dog who witnesses a murder. And he's desperately trying to get anybody in Hollywood to help direct him to getting this thing made. And it's based off of people who exist like that. You know, in LA, there's just all kinds of kooky people. And, and this is one of them. And, and it was, it was inspired off of my kind of like curiosity and infatuation with that type of character. And so because of that, we had access to so many fun people because we would just write a prompt like uh, Richard and Lou are picking up, you know, Marvin Tate, the head of, um, you know, uh, special interest stories at the Hollywood Reporter. They met him at SAG after event and he needs a ride back to his hotel. And with and so the whole show takes place in a car and then it just starts with these two trying to get something out of Marvin Tate, the whole episode. And that's what it was. And it was super fun. Like we had Will Sasso, um, Dan Levy did an episode. We had uh, Clark Duke. We had you know friends of mine who came on and played these awesome characters. And it was just so fun to do. Yeah, it's a really fun show. If uh, anyone wants to check it out, they're all on uh, YouTube as well. Three seasons, I think, right? Yeah, we did three seasons. And it's funny you talk about conspiracy theories because we were definitely like thinking about bringing it back. And then like maybe the joke would be like Richard created like a weird conspiracy documentary that re- did really well on YouTube. And he's like over Hollywood and all he wants to talk about is the Internet and YouTube. He's like, yeah, I'm through Hollywood. You know, my YouTube channel, you know, <laughs> he's like, I just make up all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Q, that's me, you know. <laughs> Yeah, man, definitely. It, you could definitely do something with that. Yeah. yeah um, it's, it's, let's talk about, um, so you you were on the radio for quite a while too, right? Are you still on the radio? KXLU? Yeah. So I went to school at Loyola Marymount University and um, I, uh, and, and that's in Los Angeles and I graduated there, but there's a really cool radio station that it was based out of there. And, and it's basically like for LA radio, like, every band eventually starts out out that station's gates. So Nirvana played there, Red Hot Chili Peppers, a lot of bands kind of got their first airplay ever in LA on that station because it's just a bunch of cool like punk rocker kids hanging out and doing their thing. So I was fortunate enough to get a time slot there and I still do it. Um, and uh, this year I'm going to be doing more with it. Um, it's just, I can't give it up cause it's FM radio. Like it's just the coolest thing to me still. Like I, I, I you know, and it, this leads kind of into candy time. I just love that kind of platform of having an FM radio station and there's something just so neat about it. And maybe it's not that important anymore with podcasts. I mean, when podcasts were starting, it was so hard for me to like jump over to that platform. I was like, but I have a radio show, <laughs> you know, but like maybe only 15 people listen, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, we're not sure. Um, so yes, I still do that. And, and, you know, that was again, you know, to go back to improv, I did that show with my friend Carlos Marrera, who went to high school with, and there's a chunk of time with KXLU and noise pollution where we did some of the craziest improv on that show. Noise pollution has a sound cloud that you can find. And there's some of the most backwards ass improv of all time on there where we would again like create like a fake radio show and 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 meaning like we would create a a fake episode of radio you know so it would always kind of change and you know one would be like a law help show and the prompt would be like the two lawyers who are giving law advice are like 
surfers from Redondo Beach and they're just alpha bros and you know we'd be talking like you know and and my friend and I he's a good buddy of mine like he's one of the most fun people to improv with I you know he, he, we used to do um before all of that like we went to high school together and this one teacher would let us lead prayer because it was a Catholic high school <laughs> and we would go up and do these two like two-handed fucking prayers that were insane <laughs> we'd be like Everybody, we all know that Jesus Christ wore Nike Jordan ones. We know this. It is fact. And he was the first person to slam dunk on a cross. Like, it was just, like, it was just silly. It was super silly. And, like, we'd always, like, slam things together. And I loved that stuff. And I still, I, you know, those are some of my favorite improv memories of, of working with that guy. So he's a designer and does a lot of stuff in the did uh, world. did did improv come easy for you, or did you have to work at it? Could you say you were doing it in high school already? Um, you know, yeah, I did have to work at it. Um, I, I think improv is like a good conversation. I think it's like you guys can do it because it's just like we're talking and it's all about agreeing and listening and kind of like figuring it out where to get things in. To get the formula of improv, I had to learn it. You know, like yeah, I could do noise pollution, but that was just kind of like just chatter, you know, we were just like kind of talk about whatever. But, you know, once I started taking classes with UCB and I did some groundling stuff and then I let, you know, ended up at second city in LA when that was still here, I had to, I fucking sucked sometimes because it's like, it's, it's such a specific thing. It's like, you're learning how to work and play with someone you've never done anything with. And it's literally like learning another language. And, um, it's all about, you know, simplifying things for the audience and listening. So, you know, cause I had this one teacher, um, and, um, Jason shots and he really helped me figure it out where it was just like, just simplify it. Like what's that one person's perspective and just keep heightening it and listening. And like, it, it does become this kind of Jedi behavior improv. Like you would just like learn how, and some of the best improvisers, I'm just like in awe of, I'm just like, Oh my God, they're so good. TJ and Dave, they're really great. Holly Laurent, I worked with her. She was my teacher. Um, she was just unbelievable. And then you see like some of these other improvisers, like it would always be like this, the, the lower level shows, entry level shows would be us like the, the, at Second City. And then the hosts would always be these powerhouse teams who had been, you know, from Chicago, Second City in Los Angeles. And dude, it was so, I'm so bummed there's not a Second City LA now, but this one, this woman, um, Jamie Moyer is so fucking funny like just just look her up because her improv is just like is just like steamrolls so good yeah just and 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 actually another really great improviser is will sasso yeah um he's incredible he did an episode of where's this party and he's a buddy and his improvising is like i i just am like it's (laughs) it's like chilling because he's so good it's just like yeah he, he kills me so yeah. So anyways, yeah, it, but it is a, a, it's a muscle you have to learn to do. I haven't done it in some time, but as like some annoying bumper to bumper listener once pointed out, he's like, Chris needs to stop whining about how there's no improv. Like you literally have a podcast. I was like, fuck off, bro. <laughs> like and you could have one too, dude. Anybody can have one now. <laughs> yeah. yeah every, everyone does have a fucking yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's crazy, dude. Like, I live near the Troubadour here in LA, and podcasts have like taken over. Like, there are literally people who will pay tickets 
to go watch people do their podcast, like tape their podcast at like the Troubadour. It's like replacing rock bands. It's funny. Fuck, I'm putting yeah. stands in my living room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna monetize this thing that way. Live audience. Jesus, Come watch Ray. How much, yeah. Ray? Five uh, bucks? I, nah, you know what? If they bring beer, I'll charge them a buck. But if they don't bring beer, <laughs> then it's ten bucks. <laughs> uh, Chris, going back to the radio show. So you said about you, you were lucky enough to get a slot there. So if you get a slot like you said can you just do whatever you want then or what like how does that work um they made me my my kind of um interview was i had to write on a piece of paper like i think it was like as many musicians as i could that wouldn't be heard on another radio station so i they were more impressed with like my knowledge of and at the time it was like a a ska show. So I was doing this show called trad to tone before noise pollution. And so I had to list all these Jamaican artists and British artists. And like, I just was like, I, I and, and for me, I was such a nerd as a kid listening to that music. So I was like, happy to do it. The specials selector, bad manners, Hepcat, jump with Joey, Aquabats, real big. Like, I just was like, boom, boom, boom. And then, and then I gave it to him. I'm like, all right, cool. And I had this slot from, it was Sunday mornings from two to 3 a.m. So I would like go to this college radio station. I was in college and, and I'd, I'd, I'd do an hour of radio. And then, um, and then this show noise pollution was this live rock show that was basically a show that had bands come on and play. And the guy who was doing it forever, he just abandoned it. And um, a bunch of us, this guy Maki who works at the station and this other girl, Liz and myself, we were just there and we we're like, well, DJ, and I remember it was fun to, to play rock music and like DJ other stuff outside of Scott. And then, and then a couple of years later I gave up, tried the tone and then I took over that full time. And, and I remember just like going, this is, it's super fun. This is really cool. And so, yeah. It, and then, and then it turned into the weird kind of Carlos era of it. And it's still kind of in that world now, but during the pandemic I was doing these things called like, cantina sessions and and they were every wednesday night and i would live stream from my ig and you know we were all locked in out here in in, in cali and I, I would just be jamming music from like 10 to 11 and and i it was fun like i had a cool little following of friends and it was you know at a time where we were all super isolated like it was fun to have that every wednesday to look forward to you know and then so that was the kind of last iteration and then when things opened up i haven't been back to the station yet because the school has actually been really on you have to go through a process and it's really easy to just do it from wherever i am so uh, i kind of do a hybrid version of it now nice um go back to improv right do you remember when we talked to john ross bowie him and his wife uh do improv out in la do you remember where they where that was where they do it uh you're asking a lot of me there uh <laughs> Nah, I, you I know, know, when he said uh, the groundlings, it kind of rung a bell. Yeah. That, somebody, that somebody we talked to brought that up also. Yeah. Yeah. Groundlings is great. Some of the funniest uh, comedians come out of that school. They're all character based at the groundlings. So, you know, you develop a character and then that is the basis of your scene. And um, Second City is like, 
follow the funny. So whatever's funny, you kind of just keep following it. Um, and oh, okay. at uh, UCB, it's it's a game. It's this kind of mechanism of like listening and finding an unusual thing and heightening. And it's like there's these kind of things that you hang your hat on when you're doing these various kind of schools. Yeah, I didn't see. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. I didn't even know there were different kinds of improv like that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like um, there's so many different ways to do it. Long form, short form. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like it's it, learning improv is like uh, becoming a kid again and learning a bunch of new games on the schoolyard. And you're like <laughs> trying to figure out how to play handball for the first time. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Tell us about um, this is something I didn't have a ton of time to, to research and into. Uh, I just found out about it the other day. Art with Edward. Tell us about this. <laughs> Man, <laughs> you did the deep dive. Um, so, <laughs> finally, my expose on Art with Edward. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Art with Edward is like a, you, you know, you'll see like a theme of me. Um, but was the first i was 24 um and i was i had just signed with my first manager as an actor and they were looking for something for me to do you know just like to make you know and it's that was the thing and so art with edward was my answer to that and i remember driving to an acting class and i was listening to the radio and there used to be this art critic on kcrw which is another college station here and his name was Edward Goldman. And Edward Goldman was this Russian man from St. Petersburg who was big in the local West LA Venice art community, which is like very major out here. And he had this very interesting voice and he was very, very particular about how he talked. And the critiques were always ridiculous. Like and his voice sounded very similar to that. And, I was whenever I before I did the show would listen to them. They're always so funny because I remember like he did one where he was written up in the LA Times about how his review of a Dennis Hopper photo show was wrong, and then he <laughs> went on his own radio platform to say how ridiculous that was and how he was very right. So I then get, you know I don't know if the actual Edward Goldman is this self centered, but we created this character named Edward Goldblum who more or less looked like Truman Capote and he had the similar voice and it was a way to go and interview LA artists and kind of do these similar Hewell Hauser-esque type shows. And in the beginning it kind of did okay. And, you know, I always love those ones. We did one on like what it would be was we would do like a work of art. So like, this guy, Ed Ruscha, who's this very famous painter. We did like, he has one called the back of Hollywood and it's a beautiful painting from the reverse side of Hollywood. And so we did like a hike up to the back side of Hollywood. Um, and, and then it was an episode and we cracked jokes along the way. Um, we interviewed this really beautiful mural painter, but you know, it, it would, the shows would always be like, kind of like forcing this goofy character into this very serious art world. And that, that was the kind of juxtaposition of it. And I, I loved doing it and, and I did it as long as I could, but inevitably like it had like a very niche following and, you know, uh, he's just like, I think, you know, he, he, you just have to try things. And I love all the characters that I created thus far. And 
you know, to go into my like, you know, dad's world of stuff, like, you know, he created so many characters. So I kind of find it fun to like go think and think about like characters I've created. It's kind of cool to think of it that way. Yeah. I feel like they're at least like with Richard or Edward or, um, no, I mean, the candy time thing is really more me, but it's like, at least with those two, I mean, it's like, oh, I, I created like a cool different kind of character. That's neat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, going back and checking some of those out. Um, oh, so thanks, we, uh, we, am I missing anything, Ray? I got, I have a lot of stuff yet. Got not just keep rolling. All right. Yeah, you're doing so, a good uh, job today, Casey. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, you mentioned your your dad, the legendary John Candy, and that you've been acting since you were a kid. Um, were you encouraged to follow in his footsteps? I heard you say before that um, you didn't want to follow in his footsteps. Uh, why? Um, I think like it's just I think it's like any kind of father son relationship. Like there's this. Um, maybe some sons like have no problem doing it. And, but I, I looked at it as like, I'm going to do my own thing. And, um, I really was caught up in wanting to be my own person. And I did always feel that I felt like I wouldn't have ever been taken. It, it, this is a very junior way of thinking, a kind of young way of thinking, but I just never thought that, um, I would ever be, properly um critiqued or judged or you know i was so full of myself like I really was like it, being in that situation really messes you up and i um if you don't really get that figured out it can continue to mess you up but i i just had a lot of naive kind of green perspectives on it and so um I, you know i remember like i took a acting class at when i went to santa monica city college before i went to lmu and um I like never told anybody in the class. And I remember the teacher, she was like, you're really good. You know, you could be like a Jack lemon or a John candy. And I, I didn't ever tell her. And I thought that that was so funny. And then I remember at the end of the class, I was like, I told her that. And, and I'm like, like I was revealing something, you know, but I, I remember being in the class. Like I was like, I want to make sure I'm good, you know, but yeah. the reality is we were all so bad at that acting class. We were all so new. I mean, I'm sure some people were very good, but but it's just was a stupid way to look at it. Like I, I, I do really think like you have to work it, you know? And, and I think one of the biggest things I ever learned was like how much work goes into actually like doing your thing. And one of the things I never got to really understand was, was cause I, did, I, I didn't get the opportunity to ask was like, how much work did my dad put into doing what he did? Cause when you're a kid, it just kind of like appears and presents your, it, itself to you. And, you know, I think I got caught up with that early on thinking like, oh, it would just come to me, you know, oh, it's going to come naturally. Yeah, there's a part of me, I think there's, there is this thing of, do you have it or do you not have it? And I think that it helps to come from someone who is wildly talented. There's some kind of like a fairy dust there, but, um, you know, to answer your question, like why I was, didn't want to, I think it's just because I was kind of stupid. Because the funny thing was like, I was performing and acting and doing stuff like I, you know, even though I wasn't, you know, I was playing music, but I was like, oh, I'm not an actor, though. You know, or, I don't know. I just was like kind of hiding behind just like actually looking under the hood and going like, what would it look like if I actually did this? Because the minute I did commit to it, I was like, 
oh damn there's a lot of work here there's a lot of like you got to really respect this thing it's not like um it's it's just not something that you do and some people do you know some people that's how they get through their career but for me i was like oh there's a lot of strength in this art form you have to really respect it yeah i mean just talking to like all the actors that we've talked to over the years are Mm -hmm. over this you know the course of this podcast you know the shit that you have to do to act is i mean there's a lot that goes into it you know physically mentally all kinds of stuff um it's it's crazy there's a lot like i was on one movie set one time and like i don't (laughs) i wouldn't care if i never do it again it is it's it's a lot and and um you're always adjusting and learning and new things in and and starting new things it's like it's just a constant thing of adjusting and changing and and growing uh and and yeah. so i think um that would have been a cool thing to kind of talk to him about and be like how do you keep it fresh what you know what do you do because it does seem when you're a kid and it makes sense that I had that perspective because I was a kid when I saw him, it was like, Oh, okay. This is a, there's a lot of work that goes into what you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I, one of the things that was in that question, so were you encouraged to fought like to get into acting at all? Cause I know you, you, uh, were in a bunch of episodes of candy time, the cartoon that, that he did. Oh, camp candy. Um, camp candy. Yeah. Sorry. He would very much want to like uh, in, put my sister and I in things. And I think he got a kick out of doing that. Um, and Camp Candy made the most sense to him. I think he was really excited to do a cartoon show for his kids. Um, but no, I, I, I get the sense. And I think if you were to talk to my sister ever, like um, they, um, he, he was like not trying to push us to do it. I think he really wanted us to do what we wanted to do. But yeah, as you get older, you're, I mean, I got into it because I was just like, I, I got into it thinking like, oh yeah, I'll maybe try commercials, you know, because they they make good money, you know. And then, but when I got into it, it was weird. It really like swept me up. I was like, oh man, I I fucking love this. And then I look back at my early years and I'm like, man, you but you do love this. It was kind of like it was just this understanding going like, dude, you actually really in, you you get a lot out of this. This is you. It's kind of discovering myself. So I wasn't gonna, you know, <laughs> become a school teacher. <laughs> <laughs> they're the real they're the real hard workers. yeah did you grow, so did you grow up in la uh i did yeah i grew up in los angeles i was born in toronto but i've been in la since i was like a little kid like two yeah cool all right so uh something that's still current that you're doing is uh never not run the podcast um mm. So when I first, my girlfriend told me not to say this because she, she thought I would sound stupid, but I'm going to say it. So when I first saw this, when I first, I told uh, Kevin Van Hentenrick this uh, the other week, um, I don't really start doing any actual research until the person confirms. So like after I saw that, per, after I saw that picture of that you posted of your, you know, the cardboard cutout. Oh yeah, yeah. I went. Yeah. To, I went to your Instagram and I just like glanced at your profile and I saw "Never Not Run." And for some reason, that was in my my head that you did a podcast about running, but you weren't a runner. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I'm a person who listens to a podcast about running who doesn't run. <laughs> 
but you are very involved in the running community and we talked about it a little bit earlier yeah <laughs> um well that's fine to think that um <laughs> I I, uh, I got into running when I was younger, like I was in my 20s. I, you know, I was always like an overweight kid and um, running. I lost a ton of weight running and and, and I really like I um, it I learned like the, the power for me about running. And it was just this really awesome kind of solo time and, you know, the endorphins and just the activity. And like, I just love it. It's just I, I still love it. And um but it's to what I think we were talking about earlier is like with those crazy races, like I just was like, you know, I've, I've run a couple marathons and I've been around the community and like, I was just like, there's like, there's a funny humor to this too. And like, we have a bit of a sense of humor about running me and my buddy Mark. And so again, it, the, the phrase never not run came from a lyric in one of my first bands, I wrote it in one of the lyrics and it really just meant like never not run. It was like, you know, know, it's like, it was like a dumb little, you know, 20 something idea. And, um, and then, yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I then thought it well, this is what it was when Instagram started. My handle was NNR forever. My very first Instagram handle when I was, Instagram started as NNR. No one never knew what it meant. And so it was always never not run. But then as I, I got older, I'm like, my professional life needs to kind of exist on Instagram. No one has any idea what NNR is. <laughs> I look like a fucking, I don't know, like a weirdo. And so I then, then like changed it to my name. And then I, and then, and then I started never not run. And then I was like, well, it could be like a cool running Instagram account. And then that's really where it started. And then we turned, we, we, we were looking for something to do that was outside of like just the typical running Instagram account. So we started a podcast and um, yeah, we just, I don't know, we get some cool athletes. We, we talked to some people and kind of like, like I was talking about earlier, like the running community is kind of hardcore. We're trying to just inject like a sense of humor to it and a relatability to it, you know, like a genuine conversation about it. Cause like, there are, are a lot of voices in there that are just constant motivational speakers. And, and like, for us, it's like, how can we have the like, you know, regular podcast conversation about running and, and, and yeah, it's, it seems to be doing pretty well, but um, that's what it is. We, we hold four races throughout the year um, that are all digital meetup races. So you can either meet us for like a personal meetup if we have a location or like, if you guys happen to be on the East coast and want to run it, you could be a, a part of it. And it's just a group chat and we kind of support each other, send photos. And then we end up raising money for some charity that, um, you know, you know, is either LA regional food bank or something to that effect. But yeah. So we do, like I said, four races a year and, and that's really what it is. And it's, um, it's, it's cool. I, I love it. It's yeah. Again, like we interviewed, people who like we were interviewed this one guy who ran across the country yeah john radich oh dude i don't know i I really loved that episode did my notes yeah that that guy holy shit right and he runs in fucking kirkland shoes i'm trying to tell my girlfriend this (laughs) i'm like he runs in costco shoes he ran across the country in costco shoes and she there's that's no way i was like yeah believe me i'm like you did it yeah he he um he was a treat, dude. Like, and then like, who else did we get? Bill Maeda so, was really cool. real quick yeah. before you go jump into anyone else. 
So John Radich, uh, yeah. he ran across the country from the Santa Monica Pier. To he had to dip his feet into the water and at the Santa Monica Pier, and then dipped his feet into the ocean at the the Atlantic City Boardwalk, thirty seven hundred miles, and yeah. not like only stopped like the only time he wasn't running was when he was sleeping. Yeah, he. Um, there are a couple people who've done those runs. And uh, we met John at the uh, the LA Marathon bib pickup, and he there's this very infamous race in California called the Badwater 135, and it's a 135 mile foot race in like the middle of summer. It's like usually 120 degrees, <laughs> and you have like an inc- you go from the lowest point on planet Earth, the lowest sea level point, which is the Badwater Basin, all the way to the base of Mount Whitney. And if you accomplish this thing, you get this like belt buckle and um, it's got like a skull on it. It's just pretty tough looking. And we were at the bib pickup and we were doing an episode of the pod and Mark spotted the belt buckle. And then we looked at this dude and he was this really tall, gangly man with a mustache. And he was like, we just started talking to him at that moment. And he was the kindest person and he just opened up and and had all these interesting stories about running. And he said, Oh yeah. If you ever want to hear crazy psychedelic stories about running bad water, I got them. And then we, our eyes lit up cause we were like, Oh hell yeah. And so, so we got, um, we got John on the episode and, and, um, and, and it was, it was so cool. And yeah, like he, and then in our research, we discovered that he ran across the country and, and he just was one of these endurance athletes who can, withstand a lot and 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 those people impress me i'm just so inspired by that type of person um yeah it was so fun to to talk to him yeah it was was a treat yeah it's a great podcast man it's a great show you're never not run i've listened to every episode and uh like i said i'm not a runner but i've learned a lot about running but i do have some questions about running as well um (laughs) so Oh, one thing though about your podcast, like listening to the podcast, you and Matt are always like so nice and polite on the show. But then when you're out like at a live race, not that you're not polite, but like you can tell you're hyped up because you're like, fuck, motherfucker, this, yeah, we, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> um, his name is Mark. And um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. And um, yeah, well, that's Mark is a cake, so you DJ. So we like he used to be at KXLU and and we went to college together, and yeah, he is like um, <laughs> yeah, we um, we it, that's the thing. Runners are so nerdy and calm when they're not doing the thing, but when they're doing the thing, it's like bonkers. Like some of the, the, the it's like it, it the LA Marathon is like batshit. Like it's like Lord of the Flies in the beginning. Like everyone's running. There's like dudes like peeing on like the walls or in corners. They can't go to the bathroom. It's like pure savagery, like in the very beginning of it. And it's the grand, like it, you just, you learn so much about yourself when you do these kinds of things. And so, yeah, it just brings out like the fucking darkness. Like every, in most runs I go on, there's at one point where I'm just like, why the fuck do I do this? Like, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, you guys are always talking about running outside, you know, 
all, everything. So what are the benefits of running outside, like on a trail or on a street rather than uh, on a treadmill? Are there any differences like have, over the course of, you know, people that you've talked to, have you? Well, a treadmill is, is um, a treadmill is like a great tool. And um, it's really great. I think if you want to um, like do speed workouts or get faster, it's really great for weight loss. If you want to just like kind of put time in because it'll keep you on pace. Like it'll just, it'll force you to stay at that pace. When you run outside, you have to have like this built in kind of, you can go really slow and not realize it or go really fast and not realize it. So I, I think the, the only thing that, 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 sucks about a treadmill is it's just boring you know unless you want to like it's hard for me to it's hard for me to do other things outside of maybe listening to music so you know you just kind of get bored looking at the same thing it's really fun when you run outside to just realize like what i started here and now i'm here you know i i started at dodger stadium and now i'm at the santa monica pier you know it's so fun to like think of yourself as being able to do that so um yeah, I, I, um, I just, I, yeah, that, that's what's that kind of the bigger difference is like, I've run a half marathon on a treadmill and it sucks. <laughs> You're just like <laughs> miserable, bored out of your fucking mind, like trying to figure out anything to play. Like, it's just, it's painful. It sucks. I, yeah, I, I did. And yeah, it's no, no good. Don't recommend. Now, would that be for one of those digital races? Is that what that was for? Or like, why, why did you do that? I was, it was before the pandemic and I was working on a show in Canada and I was training for the LA marathon and I had to do my 13 mile training race. And I was, I was beginning to taper and when you taper is when you start, you run a lot of mileage and then you start dialing it back a few weeks before your race. So you can rehab your muscles and then just like be ready to run the day of the race. And, um, I had to go to a gym to do it because it was too cold outside. There was like no way I was going to be able to do a half marathon outside. I, I didn't know how to also train in those conditions. Like when you train in the snow, like there's a whole different slew of things you got to figure out, like not getting too wet, not getting you know sick, all these things. Like, so it was like, all right, I guess I'm going to the gym in downtown Toronto. <laughs> yeah. And, I remember you t- on the one episode of uh, never not run, you talked to your friend, Tony, um, I can't remember. He's on uh, the Righteous Gemstones. He plays Keith on uh, the Righteous Gemstones. If anyone's, uh, he's hilarious on there. But I remember he's him talking about that fall, like running in New York and almost like falling on his ass a, a bunch of times because of the snow. Yeah. Tony Cavallaro, we worked a yeah, we worked a UPS store commercial together, and then we talked about running on that. And then we, um, he's just yeah, he's he's his stories were insane. Like he the the one where he like got snuck onto a military base to sleep yeah. there the night before a half marathon i was like what <laughs> navy seals they were oh yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> he's um, so, so funny yeah that that show is uh is fucking awesome the righteous gemstones if anyone hasn't seen that um so when you leave your house like let's say you're not training for a marathon or whatever like you know you have to run a half marathon like you just said on that treadmill but like when you're just going out to run, um, mm-hmm. do you have a set distance that you like plan in your head that you're going to run that day? Or do you just go out and start running and like hit a, hit a point and you're like, all right, I'm going to start heading back now. Yeah. I, 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 I think I, I, I just, I'll go with my girlfriend and my girlfriend will walk and um, I'll just tell her like, 
all right, like maybe 35 minutes or 40 minutes. And then we'll go down to the beach, hit the bike path. In my neighborhood, I have like a loop I can do. And I right now I've been just doing lower mileage, like three to four miles. And uh, I might do LA Marathon this year. I'm not sure yet. But if I do that, then, you know, I'll, I'll dial it up more and, and then maybe get on a training program. When you're on a training program, they kind of tell you, okay, today run three, tomorrow run five, three, five, okay, weekend, hit eight on the weekends. And then they cumulatively build that up until you get to your race. Um, but if I'm just for maintenance, like I just, you know, it's it, anything over three miles. I'm like, I get that kind of runner's high and I'm just feeling good. And I'm just, yeah, I, I kind of zone out and, and, and I really enjoy that. So it's been around that for that recently. And it's usually just to kind of get my body moving in the morning and kind of get that natural kind of buzz going before you hit your day. Yeah. Cool. Do you still have a, a little bit of time, man? Because I have a bunch of questions yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, let's go for it. I, I got uh, another cool. like 25 minutes. Sure. Cool. All right. So uh, what's your craziest running story? Okay. Fuck. Um, I mean, I, 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 there's so many, but I, I think the, the, the craziest one for sure is is the the – I, I talked about it earlier, like the four by four, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, um, <laughs> that I personally did. I mean, the, 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 the speed project, the race from Santa Monica to Vegas is crazy, but the four by four was just, it was like, it was insane. It was definitely deep pandemic. It was the first digital race that NNR had done. Um, and, or is the second one, but we, um, there's a, a small group of us that had run it and, it, it, it catches up to you, you know, it's four miles every four hours. So you kind of the first three or four runs, you're like, I'm good. But that first night when you have to do like a midnight run and you're exhausted, you're like, Whoa, what? And then when you do one on the second, so the, 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 the story is like the second day was crazy. And I remember I was just exhausted. My body was, I was going so slow and I had gotten up at, the midnight time on the second day. And I was so exhausted and I was like in a state of like kind of panic. I remember being like, I'm fucked. Like I'm going to just die on the side of the street. Like I'm fucked. And I remember being like, I, 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 I just, but I have to finish. And so I found, um, the guy who created it, the guy, David Goggins, I found like a corny David Goggins, youtube video and i just started playing it and i remember i was just running around my neighborhood so slow like a 12 minute mile like crying going like i got this i can fucking do this i forgot to do this <laughs> i it's funny but i'm like i broke myself like i was just a shattered shattered man who was just like for no reason just to prove it to myself so so that four by four by 48, is that something that you just do like from wherever you are? You just, yeah, he like David Goggins, I think he organizes one in March that he gets like, he's becoming like a huge kind of person in that community. Um, he organizes one and kind of through his Instagram gets people going. And, and we just in the summer were like, when we did ours, we were like, all right, we're going to do it. I don't know if I'd ever, I, I, I mean, I would do it again for, they, it is fun, but I would do it with like a group of people, but 
it just, it, yeah, I, I would just have to have the, like a gap of time to do it. Cause like you're recovering from it. It's not just something you can go out and do. Um, yeah. I remember I just went out and did it and I was like, this is going to suck. I remember it, like, it's always a bad idea when I'm like, not really telling people I'm going to do it. Like uh, I was like telling, telling like my family, like, yeah, I'm going to do this like running thing this weekend. I don't know. They're like, what is it? <laughs> you know, like, cause I'm kind of nervous to see what they're going to say, you know, but I know I can do it. I'm kind of like, all right, I got it. You know? Yeah. But like when you said you, you did it in your neighborhood. So you, were you sleep like every four hours or whatever, you would just go back to your house and rest or what? Like, yeah. So I created this, like, I cre- I lived in this tiny studio apartment. I just remember, like, like I said, I didn't really plan for it. I, I, I was like, fuck dude, you're going to need like stuff. So I went to Trader Joe's and I just got like carbs, just like chips and fucking non-alcoholic beer. Cause I didn't want to dr- like, it was one of those things where I was just like, I needed to keep calories going in. And, um, cause that is the thing, you know? And so I just was like, I had like sodas and chips and hummus and like, I don't know. I was just like bought like a ton of shit. And like, I remember like it just, it was like a fucking, it was like a pigsty in there. I was just like, Ugh. like I remember one day during it, like I ordered from like Bevmo or one of those the delivery services, like non-alcoholic beer. And I remember I was like dead. And like the guy came to the door and my credit card or my, ID wouldn't scan and I was just standing there and and when you do a race like that like you want to be off your feet immediately and I remember I was like standing there and he's just like looking at me like I'd just been like doing meth all weekend or something and he was just like and then he had to call the company and be like yeah man like this guy's just drinking like mixers here like this isn't even alcohol (laughs) finally I was able to get it and like I slammed one and like fell asleep for three hours but yeah, that was that was that, that was easily the, the the craziest thing I'd done. I mean, the first marathon is the most memorable one, but the the the, the four by four is definitely like the craziest, stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, if you think about it, it's just like, yeah, and you can YouTube it. There's people who who vlog their whole experience, and some like super, you know, soldiers get through like immediately. But like, there's a lot of other people who are like, damn, this shit was hard. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, especially since you just did it on your own, like it wasn't any, like, there was, a, there was a, yeah, or anything, right? It was just the, yeah, yeah. There was a couple people just who challenge yourself. Up. Yeah, there's this guy, Dan Fonder, who does the Eagle Rock Run Club. He ran it. This other girl ran it. Uh, her name was Summer. She ran it. Um, and, and it was just three of us. I think, oh, and I think one dude from Chicago ran it with us and he gave up after like, three runs <laughs> he was like he, he like drank beer and like ate deep dish pizza no joke and then like he missed all the evening ones and he's like i'm talking out i'm good damn so one of the things i hear a lot of people talk about on the podcast on never not run is um salt tablets why right. why are why are people taking salt tablets on these runs well it's your your body just secretes so much salt and from liquid s- from sweating yeah it's all the sweating and you just need to replenish your magnesium levels your sodium levels in the body it it, it really is like the, it, the 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 sodium is like an iv drip to the body and so you just want to keep those levels up and um that th- that's what the, some people take salt tablets you know i i i personally don't but um 
you know, it's when I'm replenishing, you know, usually an electrolyte, that's not electrolyte. Electrolyte is, it's just salt. Um, oh, so okay. yeah, it's it just to keep those levels up in your body. And um, some people like Mark lo- loves to take it like every, you know, mile. I think he takes a tablet or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, because when you're in that um, flow, your body is like, it's depleting a lot. So you just have to kind of try and keep those levels up. And that's really all it is. So you, you can, it's still going to be hard, but you're not going to like, you'll, you'll get to the end of a marathon and you'll just see people like passed out on the ground or like bonking can be really serious. If you don't take it, if you don't plan your nutrition out before you go and do this thing, like you're screwed. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like, yeah, you can't wow. phone it in. Some people do, but I just don't, you have to kind of figure out what you do and everyone's got their own little formula. Yeah, I mean, you have to be in like to to phone it in. You say, I mean, you have to be in pretty good like regular shape to be able to phone a marathon or what any kind of run in. Yeah, well, like, and but a lot of people like to point to um, um, Joe Strummer. Like they're like, oh, Joe Strummer like partied and then like ran the the London Marathon. But I'm like, okay, whatever. Like one person did it. Like. He also might have been on meth. Yeah, who you knows? never know. Who knows? <laughs> Fucking knows, man. So this is a question that Ray. It looks like you want to say something. Nah, nah, I'm good. Come on, Ray. <laughs> so this is a this is a question that Mark and Chris ask at the end of every uh, podcast, uh, "Never Not Run." But I don't think I've ever heard Chris answer the question. Uh, what is your runner's high? My runner's high. That's a great, that is a, it's a great question for me. It is, um, it's the, it's actually after it. I think it's like when I'm finished doing whatever I've done and, um, I am in this state of like feeling accomplished for finishing something and, um, I don't have much to do for the rest of the day and I can just enjoy like the place that I'm at. Um, and it, it, it is the one thing I do for all that movement that I do. It really puts me in the present and allows me to just really appreciate the present moment. And I'm not anxious, worried about where to go or what to do next. It just, it really slows me down and I enjoy the people I'm with and and whatever I'm doing in that moment. And, um, yeah, I just get to think back on, 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 accomplishing things. I, I, I think that it feels so good to do that. And then think about how far I've come and that I'm still able to do it. And I mean that in a way of life, like you just, you know, it's, it's, it's just, as you get older, you kind of can look back and appreciate what you've done along the way. Yeah. And it doesn't well, need to be a, a big thing. It could be a small thing like a run, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, it's a great podcast. Even, you know, if you're not a runner like me, uh, just go check it out. Never not run. Let's talk about, I have, I have a bunch of more stuff here, but, uh, <laughs> I want to get to the important stuff. Let's talk about Chow Chilla. I love this little short film, man. This is so fucking good. Oh, thanks man. Again. Yeah. It was like Chow Chilla was, um, my friend Garen, who I did where's this party with, she, um, wanted to make something and she had access to this beautiful farm up in Chowchilla, California, which is, is basically on its way to Yosemite. And we wrote this script a couple of years prior to filming it. And we were just like looking to do something different that kind of showed our chops. 
when you're an actor, you're constantly trying to figure out things that can help put yourself out there. And we wanted to make a really slick, sweet, short film. And um, it's about a brother and sister who are about to sell their family farm. And the eve of the open house, a drug drop goes wrong in their front yard and a bag of money uh, is left there and they don't want to sell their family farm. And so they find this money and they keep it. And uh, from there, all of this like paranoia and, and, and nervousness comes and, and, and it's a beautiful little short film in my opinion. And it, it just, and, and that was a great culmination of bringing like Garen and I's like chemistry together with Rick's capacity to like make a beautiful piece of film. And uh, we did it and, and we got to take it to handful of film festivals and, I just, I, I'm going to watch it later. I just love that short film. Yeah. I watched it three or four times now. It's, it's really good. Thank you, man. I really appreciate really good. that. And yeah, I, I was just through Chowchilla the other week. Like I said, said earlier, I've been to California 20 times last year. I, I was actually, I drove through Chowchilla. There's not a ton of stuff there. <laughs> no, no, we, 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 we carted a whole crew of friends up there and, and, uh, and got everyone up there. My sister was up there. She, she helped and, and was in it. And we just really put together like a lovely, it was so fun. It was just super fun weekend, yeah. just putting a movie together. So why I wanted to ask you this. So why? Cause I had a hard time finding it. Like if you go to the Vimeo app on like a television, it's hard to find. Um, really? Yeah. Like I can find it on my phone. No problem. But so why put it on Vimeo rather than YouTube? Like what, what is the, cause, uh, cause a lot of your stuff, like Hill Hikers is on, on their love language. Another thing that you did is on there. I think, um, why are they all on Vimeo as opposed to YouTube? Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with the video quality. I think that that's what it is. Um, and I think a lot of filmmakers also, um, Vimeo has these things called staff pick of the week. It's basically programmers on Vimeo and it's just uniquely different than YouTube. YouTube, a lot of people use for like monetization and, and, and a cool platform to get stuff out. But, but um, if you get a staff pick of the week, it goes into this channel of people in the industry who are paying attention to up and coming filmmakers. So you mentioned love language, which is like another short that Rick and I made with Garen. That was an idea that, got a staff pick and through that just in making it and getting a staff pick we had meetings with you know we had a meeting with like sony pictures from it you know and oh, wow. it, it gets on this radar that's a bit different than youtube does obviously if you're like a youtube personality and you have like a really cool thing going on that's great but vimeo specifically within the filmmaker community people usually try and get a staff pick of the week and they try and do a thing called um, short of the week or um, no budge and you can like those are all film festivals that that people are kind of keeping tabs on cool yeah it's 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 a re- like i said it's really good um and i will post all the links to everything in the description of of this as well let's see i have a few more things here uh i saw recently that you started wearing sinooks <laughs> yeah <laughs> So that led that led me into uh you were Donovan Frankenrider's guitar tech? Oh my god, you fucking amazing, dude. How does this happen? <laughs> um that's cool. Uh yeah, yeah. So I went to school for sound design 
and um, I went to Loyola for sound design and um, I was really, I still am good friends with this guy named John Hagler and John is a professional uh, front of house engineer for bands. And um, he, um, when I got out of college, I was looking for work and this is before I was an actor. And I just said, his nickname is Tito. I said, Tito, uh, if you ever need anyone to do sound, I'd love to get on the road. And Tito was working for Donovan and he hit me up and he's like, for sure. And Tito's from the punk rock community. And um, he's just like, yeah, this dude, Donovan, you'd come on, you'd basically be lugging shit in all the time. And um, I can get you on the, the front of house board for the opening acts and uh, you can learn how to do live sound. And dude, I love it. I still love it. I miss that time. Donovan, I learned, man, I love that guy. I, I learned so much from that dude. He's so funny. He's such a cool entertainer. He gets how to be an entertainer. And he he's was like one of the most positive people that I've ever seen or like listened to. Yeah, he, he, he is. He really is. And he's, a, he's just, he was so fun to work with. And, um, I, I spent about a year and a half of my life working with him. Like, and I, I think I did two or well, I think I did three or four tours. I can't remember but we toured and, and there were bus tours, you know, I, I, I wasn't accustomed to that. So, you know, we'd go and I did, you know, East coast, West coast. We did a Europe tour together and I just, I loved working with that guy. So yeah. And, and then what it was, was I remember that was the beginning of me realizing like I wanted to actually be on stage and not behind the scenes um, and what work that was going to take. And in and, and that moment in working with Donovan, like he would let me play trumpet with him on a couple things um, oh, cool. but my, my job was to work for him and that was my, what I was there for. And I learned a lot, but I did learn. I remember I was in like Heidelberg, Germany, and I was behind stage, like waiting for the show to be over. And I was just going like, ah, oh, man, you really want to be doing this thing. You want to do the thing he's doing basically. And so then I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to bow out. And I, I wish I didn't actually, I wish I did one more tour with him. I really do. I, I miss that time quite a bit. Yeah. Think- being on the road like that, like I was, I, I had a, a bunch, well, they're still friends, uh, citizens band radio. Um, they were, I found out that they were going on tour to, uh, Austin city limits. This was 15 years ago, maybe. And, uh, I was like, Hey, would you guys mind picking me up at my house on your way there? And they were like, if you can meet us up at the top of the ramp, on on uh where the hell was it 61 or whatever i was like absolutely i fucking lugged my suitcase up to the ramp they just fuck pulled their bus up to the top of the ramp and we just went down off the and uh all the way to austin and back and it like i just lugged all their shit everywhere like that was all i did for a free ride and it was it was awesome yeah it's it, it, even last night i had my friends um my friend jeff rosenstock who's a musician they played last night at the long beach arena this band joyce manor is a huge show and like they got me backstage and just for fun i like helped them load their van it was so fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've done that uh, a couple times for lucas nelson also when they played like oh, little yeah. shows and stuff so yeah it's uh it's always it's always crazy like that you think like in your mind like all these people are coming to see that band you know, and they're like the biggest thing on the stage at the time. And then like after the show, they're like all lugging their own shit out to them. Like they have no one to help them. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That, that like rock star idea that you think 
exist doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's like everyone, everyone's just tired, hungry, and sleepy, and, and <laughs> yeah. wanting to watch TV. Like Donovan, Donovan would every night just beeline it from stage to his bunk and pop in his bunk and like watch TV. He would like never drink, like maybe a beer every once in a while, but like just like just chill. He just was like boom like how can i like my stamina to keep doing this you know yeah that was him (laughs) yeah he's he's awesome um all right so uh we've been talking about you for quite a bit let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about your dad just for a little bit here at the towards the end of the show um i listened to kevin nash's podcast uh he just recently started a podcast a little while ago it's called click this and uh he told a story about how your dad would always be at the shows when that whenever they were in LA that like he remembers seeing your dad at the like he remembers walking into the like let's say the LA forum and your dad was there like before everyone waiting for them to get there do you remember anything like this ever do you remember like going to any <laughs> wrestling shows or anything with him yeah totally cuz this would have been around like you were you were a kid when when the NWO was big right yeah, that, well, that's funny. Yeah, the he was there because I was there. <laughs> <laughs> he he took me to, um, yeah, I was into wrestling in that era and, and you know, loved, uh, you know, at the time it was, rest in peace, you know, uh, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, and um, I, I just loved the wrestling, you know, Bret Hart. And, 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 and yeah, he took me and, and um my friend Bran Hamaguchi and uh, his driver who just recently passed away, his, his nephew, Frankie Hernandez and his nephew, the, the, I can't remember his name, but we all would go to these events. I think I went to two or three of them with him. And um, yeah, he was just so cool about taking us to those things. I remember like, they were like, Hey, what wrestler do you want to meet? And I was like, Oh no, I don't want to meet anyone, you know, cause <laughs> I was so nervous, but we ended up meeting um, uh, Bret Hart. I remember and he gave me, these sunglasses and years later I was at an event charity event in Ottawa and he was there. And I, I was, I, 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 I just walked up. I was like, dude, I just, you know, huge fan told him, he's like, I, oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, man. I remember you and you were there with your, your buddy, your Japanese buddy. And I was like, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, but yeah, that, that's so cool. I, I, I didn't realize that, that Kevin, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. All those wrestlers was like, what the hell is John Candy doing here? <laughs> All right, Ray. Uh, you wanna you wanna finish up with those uh, questions uh, that we had talked about? I don't do that. Uh, so what I want to know is is uh, <laughs> moving forward down the road, are we going to see you in like any like uh, uh, not major motion pictures, but just you know something other than a short, perhaps like anything in the the works? Actually, yeah, no, I, I did film a movie um, that uh, is coming out next year, and um, I have a small part in this movie called Knox Goes Away. It's like if you quickly, I'm I, I'm just really quickly in it, and that was a um, that was a cool thing I worked on last year for a day. But that's directed by Michael Keaton, and I got to work with oh, Michael nice. Keaton. So, but I, it's a very quick scene, but it, it was super. It was a crazy learning experience to work with him. So. As long as I don't make the cutting room floor on that movie, um, <laughs> I, I, that'll be a thing that comes out next year. And I did do an indie feature during the pandemic called Six Feet Apart that is coming out soon. 
um, that I'm the lead actor in. Um, and then I've auditioned for some pretty fun stuff that I can't talk about yet, but hopefully I get those jobs. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always, I'm always up for things and getting, you know, moving on those things. But right now it's like, I'm always down to do the things I'm in control of and it's candy time and, and the podcast. So, you know, and commercials. So that's where I'm mm-hmm. at these days. Awesome. All right. What, uh, what commercials are you on? I have a pepperoni commercial. Your dog is your best friend. But your dog's best friend is your ex-girlfriend. Because she always has irresistible pepperoni. Be your best friend's best friend. And I'm also in a service now commercial, which is some tech company from San Diego. And then I'm still on hold, meaning like I filmed it, but it's a Home Depot commercial, funny enough. Um, (laughs) But I don't think I'm that they're going to probably release me from that one because it was a Christmas one and I was wearing a mask during it. You can Mm. see me at the very end of it, but since there's no masking kind of going on anymore, I think they'll probably drop that one. But yeah, I I did a bunch of, uh, yeah, I've done all of them. I've done... all state UPS store. Um, I always will pop up on your TV, whether you like it or not, <laughs> but the pepperoni awesome. one's, uh, one's the biggest one. You, you, a lot of people have seen that one. Very cool. Ray, anything else from you? No, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, and Chris, uh, one last question for me. Favorite John Candy movie. Oh man, dude. I, I, I think, uh, I love, man, it's so tough. Planes, Trains is obviously the best one. Um, just watched it last night. Yeah, it's just so good. But then, like, like I love Who's Harry Crumb, too. Like, that movie's so fun. Like, so goofy. Like, kind of quirky comedy. But then, yeah, like, JFK is also incredible. That movie's awesome. Just, yeah, they're they're all so good. He was just such a, he was such a ray of light. What a What a beautiful soul. Absolutely, man. Thank you for taking the time to do this, man. Oh, thank you for taking the time to doing all that research on my fucking <laughs> lo- <laughs> my my career. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm a big fan now, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, there'll be more stuff coming out, so I'll try and keep you guys laughing. Awesome. Please uh, plugs where everyone can find you. Uh, yeah, you can uh, ChristopherCandy.com or Chris Candy Forever on uh, Instagram and chris candy for you on twitter awesome man thank you so much again for taking the time to do this man we really appreciate it no thank you guys it was was, they were great questions it was really nice talking to you guys and uh reach out if you're ever in la absolutely i'll I'll be i'll be there believe me (laughs) (laughs) thank you brother all right guys thank you so much for taking the time that was super fun thank you have a nice night man yeah you too guys have a good night